Back here on one on one, New York's longest running sports call and show, Jackson Heil. Alex Wolves here with you, and a pleasure to be joined by Alex Kennedy uh, of basketballnews.com. Alex, we really appreciate you taking the time. How's everything going? Going well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, before we get into any basketball, um, we do know that you are a big Tampa Bay Bucks fan, and Sunday is approaching fast. What's the emotions been like for you this week as you get ready for probably the biggest game of your life as a fan? I'm excited. Uh, it's been nothing but misery as a Bucks fan uh, in recent years. Uh, they find cruel ways to to just destroy me and uh, and find ways to lose. So it's been a, a rough couple of years. If you had told me a year ago that we'd be in the Super Bowl, I would have said you're crazy. So it still feels pretty surreal. I'm not going to lie, but I'm really excited. I think, uh, you know, this team is at full strength for the first time in pretty much the entire season. Uh, you know, we've had injuries all year long that we've dealt with. So I, I'm, very, I'm very excited. I think it will be a close game. Um, it's possible I'm wrong and that Patrick Mahomes just destroys us and that my Sunday night is miserable, but I'm hopeful. Uh, I think it'll be a close game at the very least. Well, that's like I say, uh, from the beginning, I actually going to mention it. I've been on the Bucks bandwagon. I picked them in the Super Bowl. So I'm, I'm with you all the way here. So let me ask you. I mean, I'm going to ask you for a pick. Who wins the game? Do you think that your Bucks are going to pull it out or you think the Chiefs? You mentioned it a little bit there. You think they're going to take this one? I would not be surprised if the Chiefs won, but I am picking the Bucks. I think the pass rush is the big factor here, uh, the big X factor. You know, the Chiefs line is depleted. Uh, we know that. We saw what the Bucks were able to do against Aaron Rodgers and what they've done all season long. I mean, they do such a great job of uh, not only getting sacks and knockdowns, but, uh, you know, forcing the quarterbacks into rushing their passes, making mistakes. Uh, the secondary is the Bucks' weakness. Um, they've been playing much better recently. Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean. Um, the safety has been playing much better. So that's that, you know, I think when the pass rush is playing as well as they are, it helps the secondary. Um, the big thing is going to be shutting down Tyreek Hill. We all know what he did in week 12 last time they faced, faced off. So I, I think the, the both offenses are obviously – two of the best in the NFL. They can score any drive. Uh, they can, you know, score on long plays. They can score in a second. I, I think the defense, that's where the Bucs have the advantage. I think uh, even though the Chiefs defense is pretty solid, they do a good job shutting down wide receivers. I think the fact that the Bucs, they have a historically good uh, run defense. So I don't think that Kansas City will be able to do much on the ground. And I think the, the difference is going to be that pass rush with JPP, Sue. Uh, Vita Vea, um, Shaq Barrett, uh, they've been playing really well all season long. They had five sacks against Aaron Rodgers, 11 knockdowns. So I think that could be the difference maker here. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm going Bucks. I, every time, I don't have an exact score, but I think it's going to be, you know, a one-point game, a three-point game, something really close. I think it'll be an awesome game. You know, if, even if you're not a Bucks fan or a Chiefs fan, it should be really exciting, high scoring, one of the Super Bowls that hopefully years from now, we're all looking back on and talking about. Wow, so I wish you the best of luck with that. I mean, as someone who's been on the wrong side of New York sports <laughs> fandom, it is a it is a tough life. So I'm wishing you all the best there for the Bucs. And let's shift over to the NBA side of things. And um, I want to talk about LeBron James first and foremost because last night puts up another 25-point performance. I mean, another triple-double, 27-10-10 and 10 against the Nuggets. They were down 12 at half, and I, I think they end up winning the game by 20. It's just pretty remarkable what the Lakers have been able to do. But – at the age of 36, LeBron James just continues to get better and better. I mean, he's shooting 41% from three this year on nearly seven attempts per game. I mean, if you told me that 10 years ago with the way LeBron shot the three, I think you'd probably call me crazy. But the fact that he's been able to just continue to get better is just remarkable. What have you made of his ability to do this at age 36? And how long do you think that he can continue this? 
Yeah, I mean, whatever LeBron's doing and Tom Brady is doing, we just need to figure that out, <laughs> bottle it up, give it to our veteran athletes so that they can just keep playing amazing for, you know, years and years and keep father time away. I don't know how he does it. LeBron's incredible. I mean, I do think part of it, and you look at both of these players, part of it is their dedication to getting treatment. Um, you know, we actually just had uh, Phil Handy on basketballnews.com, one of our podcasts. He was on with James Posey, and he talked about how LeBron goes to bed early every single night, prioritizes his treatment. He'll, he'll cancel plans and, and you know, uh, he'll bail, you know, bail on plans if, if it means he has to get his treatment done and he, he, if he can't prioritize that. They're both crazy about their nutrition, uh, their sleep schedule, things like that. Um, you know, those things are very important, and it leads to that kind of longevity and durability. I've been so impressed with LeBron's play. To be able to do this at his age is incredible. He said last night after the game that he feels like he's better than last year and is playing some of his best basketball in recent years. Um, so it, it is amazing. And with LeBron, he's done such a good job of developing his game and evolving his game over time. You know, when he went to Miami, it was moving to the four and adding post moves and becoming more versatile as a scorer and, you know, being able to do more on the block. You know, then we saw him, um, you know, now with the, the three-point shot, he's been able to do that over time as well. And, you know, he always was getting better as a three-point shooter, but nothing like we've seen this year. This is his best shooting year of his career. Um, and I know, I know at one point, you know, people were saying, oh, he's settling for too many threes. And, you know, the, the, that was kind of the knock that, you know, he was – he should have been driving more, but now, I mean, with the way that his shot is falling, it's hard to argue with the results. So not only that, you know, averaging 10.2 assists per game, he, he's always been so amazing at, you know, facilitating, getting others involved. And the scariest part of all, is you look at this Lakers team and it doesn't feel like they're even playing at hundred percent. It feels like they're kind of easing their way into the season because they had obviously very little time off after winning the NBA championship, uh, then the shortened off season. Now you have the condensed schedule. So it, it feels like, you know, Anthony Davis is playing at like 80%. Uh, they're still getting guys acclimated like Montrezl Harrell and Dennis Schroeder. Um, you know, LeBron's playing really well, but it feels like this Lakers team, we haven't even seen the best, their best basketball yet, which is pretty scary to think of. You know, we've seen it in some spurts and seen what they could be. And I think that's why everyone is, you know, looking at them as the favorite and other teams are so scared of them. But yeah, it's been incredible. And LeBron's a huge reason for that. Uh, I don't, you, you asked when this will end and, you know, when we'll see father time, ultimately uh beat him i don't know i i wouldn't i i feel like it's very hard to bet against lebron so it would not surprise me if he has another three four years of this left because again he'll continue to evolve you know he'll find a way to he's always going to be able to have a huge impact when he's on the floor even if his athleticism goes even if he's not as explosive he's because of his passing his basketball iq his shooting he will find a way to be productive he's one of those guys that's out there yelling out the other team's play you know when he's on defense and just causing so many problems with his basketball IQ and his memory so he he's phenomenal and I would not be surprised if he could keep this up for another two three years uh, but he could play as long as he wants because he's gonna still have an impact you know even late in his uh, career so you mentioned that the Lakers almost kind of like on cruise control right now finding their own this season and there's two other teams that I think are right there with them and that's the Clippers kind of finding their own between Kawhi and Paul George and it's the Utah Jazz sitting right at the top of the top of the west do you think it's a three-team race really in the West between those three teams, or you think there's some bottom feeders that can maybe compete with the Lakers and, and others here? Honestly, right now, if I had to rank it, I would say the Lakers are probably on a tier of their own. Then I'd have the Clippers on a tier, and then that third tier would be Utah, Denver, uh, pr probably those two. And 
I thought that Utah isn't a talented team. I think they're a great team in the regular season and, and they're winning a lot of games right now and they look really good. I think one thing that's helped them is their continuity. Um, in a season like this with the condensed schedule, the continuity is so important, especially because the teams that are adding new players or have added new players, you know, they don't have practices. Teams really have limited practice time this year. Teams are doing walkthroughs on the mornings of games. Uh, and then guys can't really hang out off the floor to bond like we'd see in a normal offseason or a, nor a normal season because of the COVID rules and protocols. So you don't have a chance to go out to eat with your teammates and hang out to those houses and, you know, get on the same page. So I think that teams like Utah that have that continuity, we see it a little bit with, you know, Philly, um, even the Lakers. I mean, yeah, they have Montrezl Harrell and, uh, and Dennis Schroeder, um, but, you know, most of their core is back. I feel like those teams that have that continuity and chemistry already established uh, have an advantage. So, while I think Utah is a very good regular season team, and I could see them making some noise in the playoffs, I don't know if they're a legitimate championship contender just yet. I love the Clippers, though. Even though I have the Lakers ahead of them and, and a, on a tier above them, this Clippers team is very scary. I think, you know, last year everyone wanted to rush to crown them because they were, you know, they, they were the offseason winners and they were kind of the sexy pick, but – they needed time to get chemistry. And last year we saw the whole load management approach kind of had, it blew up in their face because come playoff time, these guys didn't have enough minutes together uh, and they didn't have that chemistry down. Now we're seeing, you know, uh, Kawhi Leonard's playing back-to-backs and playing more games. Paul George, you know, he's not resting games. Um, you know, obviously they've dealt with some injuries here and there and they had the COVID issue that limited those guys a little bit. But um, I think this team's playing excellent basketball and, and some of their free, you know, their off-season pickups like Serge Ibaka and Nick Batum, they've stepped up so much and, and they've been huge difference makers for this team so I like this Clippers squad a lot I think we're going to see Lakers Clippers in the Western Conference finals and I think that's going to be an amazing series I think both teams are also going to be very active too before the trade deadline uh, after the buyout season begins it, it begins and we know which veterans hit the market just like last year you know we saw the Lakers add Markeith Morris Clippers added Reggie Jackson I think we're definitely gonna see both these teams very active uh, and, and you know their window is is wide open right now they feel like this is their chance to win a championship so we're going to see them be aggressive seeing with alex kennedy chief content officer for basketballnews.com be sure to check out the website a lot of great content there a lot of great podcasts as well alex let's shift over to the east because i think the east is probably it's there's not that clear cut team necessarily yet but the nets are certainly making their way there um with the addition of james harden since then, they've been really interesting because offensively, they look like one of the best teams of all time and on the opposite end of the spectrum, on the defensive end of the floor. What do you make of this Brooklyn Nets team right now? And do you think this is a team that can contend with the Lakers and Clippers for a title? Obviously, you think they might get there in the end, but can they contend with their lack of ability to play defense? As currently constructed, I don't think they have a chance to compete for a championship this year. Again, going back to what I was talking about with the Clippers, they're kind of that team this year that everyone wants to crown because of how good they are on paper. But it takes time to develop that chemistry and get everyone on the same page, especially in a year like this, where, again, you don't have the practice time. You're not bonding off the floor. This is kind of the worst year to try to get three focal points of an offense on the same page three superstars just because of all the circumstances surrounding the season so they have a tough challenge and it's also you know you throw in the fact that this is Steve Nash's first time as a head coach uh, his first time as a coach period if you don't count his player development stint in, in Golden State so there's a lot of things that are against them and I think with the way I look at it with Brooklyn I think this is a year to get everyone on the same page develop the chemistry 
I do think they're going to go on a deep playoff run because they have that kind of talent. You know, come playoff time, good luck guarding Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. They're going to go on a playoff run. The question is, you know, how deep can they go and can they actually contend? It's possible they could make a move. Again, you know, we talked about the buyout market. There's really not a lot out there in terms of free agents when we're talking about big men they can add, guys that can help defensively. Now, I will say it's, it's always easier to, uh, to add defensive help than it is offensive help. Um, you know, offensive firepower and star players, those are hard to come by. So they have plenty of those, which is, a, you know, great. Defensive players, you, you can acquire them a bit cheaper. We've seen that. They don't, they're not valued as much around the NBA. So maybe it's possible they could pull off a trade and, and you know, improve that defense. Maybe we see someone... Uh, you know, a big man get uh, bought out or some defensive specialists get bought out. And that's kind of the answer for them. You know, we saw them bring in Norvell Pell and Iman Shumper. I'm not sure those guys are the answers at, you know, I'm not sure they can, you know, make a big enough impact defensively. So I would say, you know, right now, as much as I love their offense and I'm terrified of, if I'm a team, I'm terrified of facing them in the playoffs. I do feel like uh, defensively, they have too many issues. I don't trust the Andre Jordan. Uh, I, I, I think he's, you know, really struggled and, you know, he, he's played ball in some games. Like you look at the Milwaukee Bucks game and he was able to give Giannis some trouble with his length and, um, you know, stop him in transition and the half court. He, you know, he, he clearly is still very strong, um, but we know he's not the same player and he can't do that night after night consistently. Uh, and he can't play big minutes either. So they have to do something. Um, if they don't make a move, that's where I have concerns about this Nets team. But Sean Marks has said they're still being very aggressive. They're going to look at the buyout market. They're going to look at the trade market. They're going to see what's out there. Even a guy like Dwayne Dedman, who's out there right now, he could be a really interesting addition for them. Mm-hmm. I think he could help. You know, I, I'm, I'm bummed they didn't sign Kylo Quinn. He was a free agent that was available as of two weeks ago, but then he signed over in Turkey. So he's overseas now. Uh, maybe when his t- season ends overseas, he could be an option. Um, so I'm curious to see what they do. But those are some of my concerns right now. But I will say, even if they're not a contender this year or if the defensive issues are too much this year, this is a team that next season is going to be very scary and might be the favorite to win it all because this offseason, they can address those defensive needs. They can address their front court depth. They can enter next season with everyone on the same page. And they could look like the Lakers or Clippers do right now where, you know, they're just rolling. And it's because of this year they spent together kind of getting everyone acclimated. I think one player and one team who's looking at that lack of front court depth, that lack of size and saying, this is great for me is Joel Embiid in the 76ers because he's a guy right now who's playing at an incredible level. I mean, just the other day dropped 25 in a single quarter. I mean, he's playing just insane basketball right now, looking at this Brooklyn team and probably saying, this is great. I can take advantage of this. What do you think the Sixers chances are this year? I mean, they kind of made this huge peak this year and what Embiid's improvements. Do you think they have a real shot at being a finals contender and taking advantage of a team like Brooklyn? Yeah, as of right now, I think Philly's my favorite to come out of the Eastern Conference. I really believe in this team. Um, I I think Embiid's playing out of his mind. He's doing it on both ends, too. You know, he's scoring the ball so well. He's scoring even better, you know, mid-range and shooting the ball. But uh, we've also seen defensively, he's been just so dominant. If you watch him play, he's just shutting teams down and getting so many deflections and he makes his presence felt all over the floor. So I've been so impressed with Embiid. Um, you know, I think he's someone that could potentially, uh, you know, challenge LeBron James for the MVP this year. Um, you know, if he was playing every game, because they do limit him a little bit still, that would help his argument a bit more. But, um, you know, he's right there. When you want, when his, his games, when he's on, it's hard to argue against his impact and, uh, you know, his value out there. So I've been so impressed with Embiid. Uh, and then I loved what the Sixers did over the offseason addressing 
their lack of shooting, you know, going after Seth Curry, who hasn't looked like himself recently. I think, I don't know if it's because he's still dealing with the effects of COVID, um, but he was phenomenal in the beginning of the year. And you're seeing how much Dallas is missing him right now too. Mm -hmm. And his spacing Um, he's been terrific. And I think he's going to get back. I think once his conditioning is back, he'll be, you know, able to contribute at a high level again. We saw what he added with Danny green. Um, So I think this, the Sixers team, you know, they were always talented for whatever reason, Tobias Harris plays his best basketball under Doc Rivers. Doc, <laughs> is able to unleash him uh he's been fantastic I do think he'll come back down to earth a little bit but I uh, I think Doc and, and him you know for whatever reason they, they do a great job together so um Tobias is playing well uh Ben Simmons has struggled a bit at times uh he's obviously fantastic defensively he's a good facilitator um but if he can take the next step this team could be even scarier so I think with Philly we haven't seen their best basketball yet which is pretty scary considering you know they're a top eastern conference right now uh but yeah I think right now I have Philly as my as my favorite come out of the East, you know, those issues that Brooklyn has, you know, there's not a glaring issue like there is for Brooklyn. And I think the chemistry is there because we've seen them in past seasons, you know, go on these playoff runs and, and, de- and develop that. And I think it takes time to kind of have that. So the continuity is there, the chemistry is there. So right now Philly's my pick. Um, and then again, Brooklyn next year, I'm looking at them as the top team in the East, but I think this year is going to be tough for them again, because if they do run into Philly, who's going to stop Joel Embiid? That's going to just be a ridiculous series for him. Alex Kennedy of basketballnews.com joining us now. Alex, just a few more before we let you go. I want to give you a trade proposal and see what you think on this one because there's a few guys that I think could obviously shake up the trade market, one potentially being Victor Oladipo, but the other is a superstar in Washington who is going nuts this year in Bradley Beal. What are your thoughts on Bradley Beal to Denver? That's interesting. I think Denver – has been aggressive in recent years looking to make a move for a star. They were in the mix for a number of different star players. Uh, And this goes back to, I mean, this goes back years. They were trying to get Kevin Love years ago. Uh, I remember like Rudy Gay was available years ago. They've been super aggressive over the years and and, in trying to trade for star players because I think they know they're not the destination that free agents are going to automatically pick. So they've tried to, you know, be active in a lot of different trade talks and and in recent years too. Now, I don't know that Bradley Bill is going to get traded. I will say that, you know, he has not requested a trade he has said that he's okay staying and I know Adrian Wojnarowski and, and some others have said that they don't think there's a trade happening this year that the earliest we probably see a Bradley Beal trade happen is the offseason uh, whenever the Wizards and Beal can kind of sit down and figure out okay do we have a long-term future what moves can we make to potentially turn this thing around uh, or do we have to trade you so I don't know that we see a Beal trade this offseason unfor- or this season unfortunately because I think that would be very interesting um, you know you look at a number of teams uh, my Miami's another one that's been mentioned as a possibility. As, as far as how Beal would fit with the Nuggets, it makes a lot of sense. I, and I would just love to see him, you know, playing with Jokic. And, and that offense would be so exciting. It'd be so much fun to watch that team. Uh, Jamal Murray, too. I mean, he, we've seen what he can do when he's healthy. Right now, he's dealing with a number of injuries. But that backcourt would be tremendous as well. Um, now, I don't know. I think if the Wizards do get to the point where they decide to trade Bradley Beal, it's going to cost a ton to acquire him just because he's leading the league in scoring uh he's one of those guys too that he can help he can fit with any team around the nba so it's not like he has a very um specific skill set where you have to have the right pieces around him and the right he has to be in the right offense or things like that because he can shoot the ball so well and he's so versatile and he's improved so much you can put him on pretty much any team and he's going to be just as effective. He's going to be, uh, you know, maybe not put up the same points because he'll have other players he has to share the ball with, but just his 
skill set fit would pretty much fit anywhere. So that makes it tough where if, you know, if you're Washington, you, you should be able to create a bidding war for his services, uh, which means if you're a team like Denver or Miami or one of these teams that want to trade for him, you're probably going to be giving up a lot. Um, so I'm curious to see what happens with Beal, even if it's not this season, maybe it's the off season. Um, I think all eyes are kind of on that situation to see where he might end up. Despite the way the Wizards have looked this year, at least he's getting the all-star nods, getting the respect that he deserves. And, and one guy who's not getting that respect, I think, is Julius Randle. And I don't think we can go here without asking your opinion about the Knicks because Julius Randle's been playing terrific basketball this year. The Knicks themselves playing pretty well from what we're used to seeing. And I think our market here interested to know your thoughts about not only how the teams perform this year, but maybe just their direction in the future. Are they heading in the right direction now with some young talent and, and obviously Randle's resurgence? Yeah, I love it. I, I've been so impressed with Julius Randle. I actually, I got to know Randle when he was in high school. So I've kind of watched his development over the years and I've never seen him play like this, you know, where he's facilitating like this. Uh, he's shooting the ball really well. He's so locked in and credit to him for, you know, what he's been able to do this year. Cause putting up those kind of numbers consistently is very difficult, especially once teams know that you're kind of the focal point and they can kind of key in on you and game plan for you and study your tendencies. So I've been so impressed with Randall and this Knicks team as a whole quickly looks fantastic. And it's funny because on draft night, people were criticizing that pick and saying you know, he, they, that he shouldn't have went there and they didn't like his ceiling and all these different things, but he's been fantastic. I've been so impressed with him. And uh, just when he's on, he's on. And it's been a lot of fun watching him. We actually wrote an article at Basketball News the other day about quickly and how he gives Knicks fans hope because not only because of how he's playing and he looks like the real deal, but he also gives hope that maybe the Knicks in this new regime can actually draft and develop talent over the years. I think, you know, maybe a year ago or a few years ago, we would have seen the Knicks try to make a trade for Russell Westbrook or a trade for Chris Paul. Like some of the things that were rumored over the offseason, uh, taking on the big contract to try to lure uh, a savior free agent. You know, that's always been their MO. Uh, instead, we see they kept their draft picks. They're focusing on the young core. They're, you know, bringing in a good coaching staff and, and developing young guys. And I think we've seen you know, that's kind of the key to turning the your, the corner as a franchise in the NBA these days, because A, it leads to you having these young prospects that can potentially become a star on their own. And B, the, the teams that have been able to land some of these superstars have done it because they, they develop a nice young core that is able to attract free agents. Now, if you're in New York, you always want to build toward you always want to have free agency as an option and, and have cap space and that flexibility because you're always going to be a player in free agency. It's different than if you're in Indiana or OKC where they know they're not going to be a player in free agency. But if they can have a nice young core and they can develop and have Randall quickly, RJ Barrett and some of these guys, then it makes it easier to attract a free agent in the next few years once they kind of see what this team is, what the culture is. I mean, we saw with Brooklyn, they kind of were this young, scrappy team that fought their way into the playoffs and developed this culture. And ultimately that attracted Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. We saw it with the Clippers. You know, they were able to turn the corner and went from laughing stock after Lob City, of course, to, um, you know, to be able to be the scrappy team with a number of young pieces or the other option with is the Lakers route where they basically, uh, you know, developed their young guys, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, and then traded some of them in order to acquire a star. So I like the fact that we see the Knicks developing their young players and, and not trying to make the skip the line move for a Westbrook or a Chris Paul or one of these big contracts that would, you know, kill their flexibility going forward. So I think the Knicks are headed in the right direction. I, I love what they're doing and I love this young core. Um, I did not expect to be this high on the Knicks or watching New York basketball as much as I have been this year entering the season, but I've been very impressed. 
Alex, before we let you go, just want to give you a chance to pub the new site, basketballnews.com. Obviously, you were at Hoopsite for a while, but um, you've made the transition. You guys are doing a great job there. And just saw you had a new podcast with Kenyon Martin and Jadakiss. Uh, tell us about the content you guys are putting out there right now. Yeah, basically, you know, every day we pump out uh, exclusive articles. Uh, we also have a podcast network that has 12 different shows. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Kenyon and Jadakiss have a show on there. James Posey has a show. Aton Thomas has a show. Uh, I have my podcast on there. And then we have a number of other ones as well. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr., who's a former coach. Uh, we have a lot of podcasts on our network, and every day there's new episodes coming out. Uh, and then, yeah, every day we put out a bunch of articles too, exclusive interviews. We have breaking news, uh, the latest rumors, in-depth analysis. And then eventually, too, we want to get into long-form videos, so documentaries and web series and things like that. So uh, I'm very excited. It's been awesome. Uh, it's been cool to kind of have not only the journalists that are on our staff, but then also have that player-driven content, which has been blowing up in recent years, you know, things like the Players Tribune and these player-driven podcasts, uh, people seem to really have an appetite for it. So we have a lot of those things. So it's kind of a hybrid of different websites. Uh, so yeah, it's basketballnews.com. Definitely check us out. Like you said, you can find it all at basketballnews.com. Alex, we really appreciate you taking the time today. Best of luck with everything going forward with your site. And obviously, best of luck this weekend with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys.